Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers and industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes descriptions of violence against minors. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. It began on the internet. A black and white photograph of a group of children walking towards the camera. Darkness in their eyes. In the back, a faceless white figure. Pale as a ghost and thin as a rail. A girl mounting the ladder of a slide as the same figure lurks. Its back, a mess of dark tendrils reaching out to the children around it. The caption read, We didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. It was for a Photoshop contest, and it was supposed to be a story, nothing more. Then, a 12-year-old girl stabbed her best friend 19 times, all in the name of the long, thin creature, all in the name of Slender Man. Welcome to Haunted Places, a podcast original. I'm Greg Paulson. Every Thursday, we take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted real places on Earth and share their stories. This episode is part of our Urban Legends Halloween special. Every day for the month of October, we're presenting our spooky spin on an urban legend, then diving into the history of the horror. Like it or not, each terrifying tale contains a grain of truth. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
to stream haunted places for free on Spotify, just open the app, tap browse, and type haunted places in the search bar. Today, we're looking at the greatest urban legend of the digital age, Slenderman. Created as part of a Photoshop horror contest on the Something Awful forums in 2009, Slenderman is part meme and part avatar of death. The lanky, faceless creature stalks and steals children, drawing them to him with deadly charisma, impossibly long arms, and a hauntingly dapper suit. But children aren't his only prey. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. On June 10th, 2009, Eric Knudsen, under the username Victor Surge, replied to a thread in the Something Awful forums. It was an informal contest, challenging users to make images of the supernatural. The goal was to make them so authentic that they could be leaked onto the web, pass as real, and be featured on legitimate websites, books, or other media. Knudsen posted two photos, each including children and a strange, faceless figure, unnaturally tall and slim. In the second picture, a series of extra arms extended from his back. Knudsen included a bit of text for the pictures to make it feel more real, explaining that the photographs were recovered from a fire that destroyed a library and that mysterious officials had confiscated the original photographs, dismissing the strange form in both shots as film defects. He called the figure in the pictures the Slender Man. He got a few positive responses, then added another image the next day. A day later, another user posted two more Photoshop pictures featuring Knudsen's creation. There was another the day after that, and it went on and on, traveling to 4chan and Creepypasta, to independent video games, and even a poorly received feature film. Everyone seemed to have a Slenderman story. Slenderman has his own wiki, not just a Wikipedia entry, a whole wiki with over 400 articles. Some are about as many media incarnations, but others are historical. Wiki contributors have connected Slenderman's physical appearance and behavior to monsters and spirits throughout history, including a 16th century German boogeyman known as the Tall Man and several faceless spirits, including the Japanese Noperabo and Taina Hupia. Some Slenderman fans consider the similarities between Knudsen's iconic creation and these much older visual concepts to be proof that Knudsen was channeling an entity that predated him by millennia. They argue that Slenderman is the latest incarnation of a sinister spirit that has been part of the shared human consciousness since prehistory. Billy wasn't jealous of Surge, not really. 
Sure, he'd made the original post, and Leach had posted the next one, and Trench had posted the next. But Billy had brought it to 4chan, and that was what mattered. That was where it had really taken off. He found a special joy in watching the story of Slenderman grow, and he was fascinated with some of the things people came up with to continue the story. Some made the creature gory, impaling people on tentacles that sprouted from his back like a beetle's legs. Some wrote that he could cause time manipulation and memory loss. To dream of him was to belong to him. Billy had to laugh. Of course you're going to have dreams. They were good shops, if he said to himself. Creepy children, dark shadows. A face that was not a face, caught at the very edges of your vision. Dreams were how we made sense of the world around us. A nightmare creature who could teleport, manipulate minds, and rip you apart with tentacles that sprang from its back was going to appear in your nightmares. It was just inevitable. He dismissed the rest as standard X-File stuff. Sometimes he wished people were more creative. Yet he still dreamed, night after night, ever since he'd read Serge's original post. In his dreams, the darkness beckoned, and a figure moved towards him without sound or features. Billy was always frozen, waiting, wanting, but terrified. The presence frightened him, yet when it left, he felt empty, spent, lonely. Even when he woke to the Los Angeles sunshine, his chest felt heavy, as if he'd been swimming towards a surface he was never going to reach. A post appeared in the thread Billy had started. Most of the ones in the past had felt repetitive, even when the meme was so young. Blurry photos, references to fires, and creepy children talking about their tall, imaginary friend. But this one was different. The user called himself the dog. His story itself was from the point of view of a proxy, a human servant of Slender Man. There had been plenty of stories along these lines, and Billy had been dismayed to see that people were already shipping themselves with the creature. But this message was different. It was a confession. The dog confessed to horrible things describing them in vivid anatomical detail. Children and parents murdered together, if they were lucky. If not, they ended their lives lost and alone, screaming in silence, all in the name of Slenderman. Billy had seen plenty of messed up things on the internet. People cried out for attention all the time. The guy probably just felt unfulfilled in his own life and wanted to feel strong. But something about the post wouldn't leave Billy alone. The dreams got worse. Slender Man's arms stretched long, like he'd spent years stuck on some medieval torture device. His tailored suit with a white shirt and tie was perfect for a funeral. But it was the face that drew Billy in white as the moon, but with fewer defining features. It was a blank canvas on which to paint your fears, a monster that you built, 
so it knew the best ways to hurt you, to hurt the people you loved. Billy messaged the user who called himself the dog, half-jokingly asking if he was all right. The missive went unread for days before Billy finally received a reply. Wouldn't you like to know? Billy needed to get away from it all. He knew better than to feed the trolls, and he chastised himself for engaging in the first place. He decided it was time for a trip home. He could decompress and finally get his mom to stop bugging him about visiting home. Billy was from a rural suburb just outside Raleigh, North Carolina. It was green and rolling, strangely remote despite being inside the research triangle. Picturesque, as the tiny tourism board would call it. But small towns mean big gossip. His mother shook her head, tutting, as she told him about a fire that had consumed the house at the back of their property. It was one of the older ones with historical significance. <sighs> what a shame. Billy didn't mind staying in his old room. It was familiar, comfortable, but sleep didn't come. He stared up at the glow-in-the-dark stars, willing his eyes to close. His nose began to bleed. He dabbed it with a towel and decided to take a walk. After years spent in the chaos of Los Angeles, his quiet town felt more isolated than ever. There were no cars to look for on the two-lane road. Only the trees and his swiftly shrinking home broke up the desolate landscape as he walked onwards. For a moment, he felt like the only person in the world. The burned-out farmhouse beckoned. As kids, he and his friends had spent hours coming up with stories about who had lived in the house. They'd later found out that it belonged to some UNC professor who never used it. Billy and buddies had snuck into it a few times over the years, just to see if they still could. It would have been easy to set the whole thing ablaze. Now, someone had. The house leaned to its side like it was taking a short rest. Ash covered the remaining skeleton of the frame, a dark smudge extending towards the black sky. Large scorch marks were burned into the earth. Pieces of the foundation still jutted out in places. Tiny bits of wood and ceramic littered the ground. Billy stood by the now shattered back door where he'd always picked the lock. He let his gaze turn back to the dark forest, panning his flashlight across the trees. The woods seemed to shrink. The trees grew closer together. The branches entwined forming a mass of limbs moving in unison. He saw a white shape moving. It seemed far away, but then eerily close, before retreating again to the far distance. Its head bobbed, almost like it was nodding at him in approval. Billy blinked. All was still. But then the shape started moving again, bobbing through the woods slowly. Billy rubbed at his eyes. The vision stayed the same. Billy started to sway, and his limbs lost their rigidity. Suddenly, an ink-black tentacle tore through the bottom of Billy's shirt, wet and razor-sharp. 
sucking, sucking. Coming up, Billy questions his sanity as he's haunted by the Slender Man. Now, back to the story. Billy woke to nothing but black. His eyes slowly regained their focus, finding the moon had already risen above the trees. The woods were quiet. He pulled himself up off the ground, but he couldn't remember how he had ended up there. The hollow house was maybe 20 yards away. A quick check of his phone showed that several hours had passed. Billy had wanted to sleep, but not like this. He pulled twigs from his hair. A spider crawled across his nose. He quickly flicked it away. He turned back in the direction of his own house. Better to collapse in his room than out here. But then something came crashing through the undergrowth. A familiar voice accompanied it, along with an easy, braying laugh. It was his best friend, Ryan. Ryan had been his closest neighbor growing up, but they had taken different paths. While Billy had been failing to make it in L.A., Ryan had stayed home and become a rather successful electrician. They exchanged pleasantries and fell into the easy rhythm that only hundreds of shared hours in front of a first-person shooter could bring. Ryan confessed that he couldn't sleep either. There wasn't much else to do past 10 p.m. in their little town, so he decided to check out the professor's house as well. Maybe take some artsy pictures. Ryan cocked an eyebrow at Billy and asked if he was up for one more adventure. Billy had felt dread creeping in earlier, but Ryan was one of those people who could make any situation feel manageable. Billy nodded, and they set off for the house. Ryan led a little bit because his flashlight beam was larger. It cast strange shadows against the ghostly white birches. They seemed to wither and grasp as the yellow glow roved over them. A lighthouse in a forest. Billy felt a finger trail lightly down his back, causing goosebumps to crawl along his skin. He looked behind him and saw nothing. He turned back to Ryan, giving him a funny look. Billy shrugged, and Ryan happily went back to talking about a show he'd seen in Durham. Billy blinked, trying to erase the image of the blank white face that seemed to lurk just outside his vision. Billy's nose started bleeding again. Ryan pulled the bandana from his pocket, offering it to him. Billy wiped his nose as they reached the house. He heard Ryan say something about a child's blanket and a space heater as they stepped through the ruin of a doorway and into what had been the living room. It hadn't occurred to Billy that against all odds, the professor's family had been in the house when it burned. A scorched felt doll lay in the center of the room, as if to highlight his ignorance. The doll's limbs were longer than he had expected, its stitched arms reaching down to its knees. The face had been burned off, leaving a blank, ashy ruin where there should have been a smile. Despite the soot clinging to its clothes, Billy wanted to hold it close to him. He wanted to feel... He didn't know what he wanted to feel, 
But holding the doll was better than the idea of leaving it here amongst the remains. Ryan shined his flashlight over towards him and nearly jumped out of his skin when he saw the doll. He practically stammered as he told Billy that he should know to leave creepy things where he found them. Billy told him that it wasn't creepy, it was handmade. Whatever child had held this had loved it. It had made her feel safe in a space that bled ruin. Ryan cracked some joke about how Billy the writer could make anything poetic, even cuddling a creepy doll. Billy knew he meant well, but he still felt a self-conscious red rising at his cheeks. He felt a long finger dance up his spine again. He found himself telling Ryan about his Slenderman post, even boasting about it. Ryan was good-natured enough to congratulate him, but he admitted the whole thing gave him the creeps. Billy laughed and raised his voice solemnly, commanding the heir to bring him Slenderman. Ryan's voice was tight and icy as he chided him. Kids had died in this fire. Real kids, not fake ones created for the internet's amusement. Billy tried to explain that he understood. He told Ryan about the unnerving comment he'd seen in the Slenderman thread, how he'd done something about it. The guy just probably didn't have friends and wanted to be noticed in any way possible. But still, it wasn't cool, and Billy had told him so. Ryan only stared at him. Billy lowered his gaze. Even during the five years they'd been separated, Billy had never felt so apart from his best friend. Billy opened his mouth to apologize, but something was stuck in his throat. An object that was slimy and sharp all at once. He tried to swallow. It didn't move. Or rather, it did move. It climbed back up his throat as if in defiance. Billy was quickly running out of air. Ryan handed him his water bottle and he took a sip from it. The liquid rolled down his throat filling the empty space around the thing. Water leaked out of his mouth as he continued to cough. One final cough pushed the mass out of his throat. A large clump of coagulated blood. Something pushed up from his stomach. More blood dribbled out of his mouth. Ryan's eyes widened in shock. He began patting Billy's back. The blood continued to fall from his lips to the ashen ground. He began to dry heave, but instead of bile, he could feel his whole stomach almost folding in on itself, trying desperately to climb up his throat as the clot had done. The pain clawed at him, and he couldn't keep tears from spilling as he clutched at his stomach. The doll lay forgotten in the dirt. Ryan said he would call 911, but Billy doubted they'd even be able to get a signal. He just wanted the roiling of his insides to stop. He could give them what they wanted, as long as the pain would end. No pain could be worse than this. This searing, biting, tearing in two, as if a living thing inside him was clawing its way to freedom. If his organs wanted out, they wanted out. This was the only way. 
Ryan's hands pulled Billy's fingers away from his body. Billy yelled at him to let him go. He had to make the pain stop. Ryan held firm against him. You're okay, dogman. You're okay. Billy had forgotten his nickname from high school entirely. Dogman. The dog. The pain started to subside. As he looked up, he saw it. The faceless figure's head touched the tops of the tree branches. Its fingers were long and white, stretching three or four feet long. The suit was impossibly tight, almost shell-like on its long frame. Its head tilted towards him. Billy found himself mirroring it. Finally, he recognized what he'd been seeking all this time. Slender Man reached out to him. Billy took his hand. A series of images hit his brain. Fire, dead bodies, smiling children, the glint of a knife, the splash of blood against a beige-colored wall, skin boiling off someone's body. It should have frightened him. Instead, he found himself leaning towards the creature, wanting to hug him. He could not say why, but in that moment, he was the safest thing around. Ryan was still holding Billy tightly. He told Billy that he was scaring him. He asked why he was trying to grab at the air. Reluctantly, Billy pulled his gaze away from the suited figure. He asked Ryan what he was talking about. Couldn't he see? Slender Man was real. He was here. He was salvation. Billy looked at Ryan, taking in the wash of concern and confusion on his face. He closed his arms around Ryan in a brotherly hug. His friend would never see the spiked ends of the appendages grow from what used to be Billy's body. He would never see the tentacles curling and growing around him, poised to strike. Ryan would never hear the voice in Billy's head that made it all make sense. Even when it told Billy to eviscerate him. In the documentary, Beware the Slender Man, digital folklorist Trevor J. Blank describes Slender Man as the internet's new version of the boogeyman. The fact that he doesn't have a face or voice means people can project their own fears onto the monster and take the mythos in many different directions. The list of Slender Man's powers is wide and varying. From teleportation to mind control, impersonation, selective visibility, telepathy and telekinesis, and pyrokinesis, as well as slender sickness, a cluster of symptoms including coughing, bleeding from the mouth, nose, or eyes, nausea, hallucinations, and blackouts. Beliefs about his behavior have changed as well. Originally a violent predator, given to impaling people with his famous back tentacles, He's now generally expected to be a more quiet presence. He stalks his prey from a distance, slowly driving them mad. 
that or transforming them into murderous proxies who can carry out his will when he's busy menacing others. It's common in horror stories for the monster to have a would-be victim that becomes an accomplice. From a narrative standpoint, it gives the monster a human component while also offering a secondary antagonist for the heroes to face on the way to the real villain. But this notion of proxies has proven seductive to many troubled individuals, particularly minors, as a means of empowerment. A frequent search regarding Slenderman asks if he was bullied as a child, and one of the many interpretations of Slender, as his fans like to call him, has him as a protector of children, helping them destroy their tormentors. Whether he is savior or boogeyman, Slenderman is practically the unofficial mascot of Creepypasta, an online collection of user-generated horror legends and images. These stories often walk the line between fact and fiction, just like traditional urban legends or chain letters. Despite the efforts of Creepypasta's moderators, who view the community as a mature and clearly fictional horror writing collective above all, the site and its accompanying wiki are also very popular with adolescents, who often struggle to find the difference between reality and fantasy. The Creepypasta Wiki was how Wisconsin 12-year-old Anissa Wire introduced her friend Morgan Geyser to Slenderman. It began as a shared interest, but turned sinister when Morgan told Anissa that she recognized Slender. He had visited her many times as a child. Morgan had undiagnosed schizophrenia that she had been unknowingly concealing from her parents her whole childhood. Her father, Matt, was also schizophrenic, but they hadn't disclosed this to her yet, as it's exceedingly rare for the illness to manifest before puberty. Morgan had never had a psychotic episode, and her descriptions of a slender man-like monster sounded like any child's nightmare. But the vivid nature of her delusions would only become clear after tragedy struck. Morgan was Anissa's first friend at school, and Anissa quickly told Morgan she believed her and claimed to have known Slenderman personally as well. They dove deep into the mythos, and Morgan became convinced that Slenderman meant to harm her family. She and Anissa decided they needed to sacrifice someone Morgan loved in order to keep everyone else safe. After the murder, they would become proxies and move into the Slender Mansion, which they believed was somewhere in the Nicolay National Forest, 300 miles away. The girls settled on Morgan's childhood best friend, Peyton Bella Leitner, for the sacrifice. They took her for a walk in the woods after Morgan's birthday party. Each girl encouraged the other to actually do the deed. But they both hesitated. Finally... Anissa handed Morgan the knife Morgan had taken from her family's kitchen and told her to go ballistic, go crazy. Morgan climbed on top of Bella. She whispered, I'm so sorry. Then she stabbed her 19 times. Anissa told Bella to lie down to prevent blood loss. Then she and Morgan headed for the National Forest Anissa had a nervous breakdown, 
while Morgan fell further into her sickness. She clasped her hands together, praying, Slender, if you're listening, please help us. Bella dragged herself to the road, where she was found by a cyclist. She was rushed into surgery and miraculously survived. One of Morgan's attacks had missed a major artery by one millimeter. The police picked up Anissa and Morgan about five miles from the site of the attempted murder. They were tried as adults and were found not guilty by reason of insanity. Anissa's lawyers convinced a jury that she began to share her friend's delusion as they consumed more Slenderman media. It was a form of temporary insanity, the so-called folia du, or madness of two. Morgan went unmedicated in the Wisconsin criminal justice system for a total of 18 months, even though she had been diagnosed shortly after she was arrested. According to her mother, Angie, it wasn't until Morgan was fully lucid again, a year and a half later, that she understood what she'd done to her best friend. When the so-called Slenderman stabbing made national news, a woman in Ohio stated that her daughter had tried to attack her while wearing long sleeves and a mask over her face. Her daughter, too, had been obsessed with Slenderman. In an interview with a Slenderman fan, the creator of the legend, Eric Knudsen, mentioned that he didn't view Slenderman as an urban legend because anyone could look up the original post. In his mind, an urban legend only exists if it can't be either verified or disproven. And yet, when questioned by mental health professionals, 12-year-old Morgan Geyser stated that no one was capable of disproving Slenderman's existence. Slenderman is the boogeyman to adolescents today. And unlike older monsters, this one has a fandom. An ever-proliferating set of photos, videos, and detailed descriptions of encounters to help bolster his story and make it feel real when kids are at exactly the right age to struggle with telling fact from fiction. He's not just a story heard around a campfire. He's a photo sent on Facebook or a meme your friends text you. He randomly generates on your Minecraft server. His likeness appears in Doctor Who and The Haunting of Hill House. Tumblr has created a version of him called Trenderman, who takes you into the darkness while critiquing your fashion sense. If you consume media, Slenderman is inescapable. And it's tragically impossible to deny that someone has tried to kill in his name. Whether you believe the figure we call Slenderman predates a Photoshop contest from 2009, or is a meme spun wildly out of control, there's an important part of the mythos we'd be remiss not to reiterate. As soon as you know about Slenderman, he knows about you. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We will be back tomorrow with a new urban legend and on Thursday with a new haunted place. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. 
Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Haunted Places, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Until tomorrow, don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, with sound design by Kenny Hobbs. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Liebeskind. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Richet. I'm Greg Polson. <laughs>